0: It's The True Penny Show, with your host, James True Penny. Hello and welcome to The True Penny Show. My name's James True Penny. This is my show. And today, we're going to discuss the pathless trauma. What happens when the big thing has happened? And in this case, the big thing was the UWFI versus New Japan feud of 1996, which is the biggest money feud in pro wrestling history. It filled the Tokyo Dome four times in a seventh month period. And then everybody got jobbed out and they had to go somewhere else. So today is about what happened after that. We're talking UWFI. We're talking wrestling and romance. And who doesn't like wrestling and romance? I know who likes wrestling and romance. That's John Dinsdale. See what I did there? How are you, I... sir? I'm
1: not bad, actually. Riding a high from earlier in the day and then sat down to watch four and a half hours of wrestling. <laughs> <I keep fighting. laughs>
0: well, yes, we're talking UWFI in the latter stages of the UWFI before Nobuhiko Takada went off into the distance. But we'll hear more of him at the Beginner's Guide to Japan. But today we're going to start by looking at the 20th of July, 1996, the fourth anniversary of war wrestling. It was actually Wrestling Association R by that point. It was no longer wrestling and romance, which is sad because, yes, no. It's a very unique name for
1: a wrestling company.
0: It was. Prior to that, it was Super World Sports uh, because it was owned by uh, partly owned by Genitura Tenryu, partly owned by uh, Anapticians and partly owned by Vince McMahon.
1: Bloody hell!
0: (laughs) Conglomeration of Satan. (laughs) Uh, Yes. (laughs) Um, After SWS broke down, we had plenty of SWS coverage down the years on the Beginner's Guide to Japan. Me and Sai and Alex have both looked at loads of uh, SWS and some WAR as well. But by 1986, 1996, even it was Wrestling Association R. And actually, I've been looking at this car, and it's pretty influential this particular card, and it shows you how WAR became this influential promotion, which is really, I think, has more of an influence on New Japan today than old New Japan of the time did, to be honest with you. And there's reasons for that, which I'll explain shortly. But, what did you know of Wrestling Association, R before I foisted this upon you, John? Not a whole lot, to be honest. This is much like
1: a lot of sort of mid-90s sort of Japanese wrestling I missed out on. Like, I came into it a lot sort of further down the line. So this was one of those promotions I hear stories about and know some of the talent from, but this is probably the first time I've sat down and watched a full show of theirs.
0: There you go. So we'll go through this stage by stage. Now, in the opening match, Nobukizu Hirai and Ultimo Dragon, you know Ultimo Dragon, he's quite famous. He's quite good at what he does. Defeated Lion Doe he was also quite famous. He would be now known as your Chris Jericho and Tito in 15 minutes, and 19 seconds of a cracking opening tag match of which we only saw the last three minutes. What did you think of this, John? Just from the names alone, <laughs> you knew it was going to be <laughs> something special. Like, yeah,
1: I can't believe we only got three minutes of this.
0: Yeah. I've I mean, it was, really good to
1: three, it was a really good three minutes, but I wanted more than three minutes.
0: <laughs> I should point out we're at Sumo Hall. We're at Ryogoku, in Japan. In Tokyo, 11,000 people in attendance for this show. One of the biggest shows for the Japanese year.
1: You definitely felt it.
0: Yeah, it was a big money match, big money night, really. And the whole point of the evening was a six-man tag team title tournament for the war six-man tag team titles. Now, Junichiro Chiritenryu, the owner of war, was into his six-man championships because the first major title he won in North America was the NWA World Six-Man Tag Team Championships when he tagged up with the Road Warriors because they'd fallen out with Dusty Rhodes. Well, we'll move out that later. But yeah, he was tagged with the Road Warriors, become the inaugural NWA, one of the first NWA Six-Man Tag Team Champions. He took that idea to war with him. Uh, okay. One of the other ideas he actually pioneered was the fact that the Junior Heavyweight Division, which was booked by Ultimo Dragon, had a tag team championship. So this night was kind of devoted to tag team wrestling, and there is a tag team title match later on on this card. But let's have a look at this first match. Now, this is Kazuo Yamazaki, Asuma Kido, and Take- Takahashi Izuka. They lost to Jeddo, Hiromochi, Fuyuki, and Jado, or Fuyuki-gun of war. Now, obviously, Yamazaki, Kido, and Iazuka, Isuka, sorry, I should say, goes name right, were actually New Japan guys. Takahashi Iazuka the guy that retired early this year, had the big send-off at Kurikan Hall. That guy, 24 years ago, <laughs> he was tagging with Asumi Kudo, legendary New Japan and UWF veteran, and Kuzu Yamazaki, who left the UWF, went back to New Japan, left the UWFI, didn't get any title shots, so went back to New Japan and ended up in this war tournament. There you go. This is Wrestling Politics 101 from Japanese style. What did you think of this, John? I forgot
1: that Izuka could actually wrestle it's really boring though oh it's it's not the most refreshing wrestling but I mean he's not chasing around trying to bite people or maul them with a giant claw or painting commentators the same color as cats Ah, that one was funny I could live with that (laughs) and then to be fair Fuyuki just stole the show Fuyuki is now one of my
0: favourite Japanese dickhead wrestling. (laughs) Harumuchi Fuyuki, if you've been listening to the shows in order, actually we might switch the order because this could be more sensible to play this one now before the ECW one we did earlier in the week. What do you
2: reckon?
0: Yeah, we'll we'll switch the order because we we did this in the wrong order. We kind of like we were we were free basing (laughs) here with (laughs) with this particular order. So yeah, Harumuchi Fuyuki had come from All Japan Pro Wrestling. Was a mid carder there. Bad Bags of Charisma was kind of popular, but Giant Babber never really wanted to pull the trigger because he didn't really have the gravitas to be a main eventer in all Japan. Uh, Ghetto and jeddo are friggin' Ghetto and Ghetto, world-class tag team. Uh, still in their fuck you, we're Ghetto and Ghetto phase here. <laughs> um, I never realized Ghetto was missing so many teeth. Yes, yes. You don't, you don't see it much behind the bandana these days, do you? Or what used to be the bandana, uh, the beard. Uh, yeah, he's uh, yeah he lost a lot of those teeth in Wing. Right, to <laughs> be honest, <laughs> but this was his, this was really where he learned like a lot of the booking style he does now. We're discussing this, John from Voices of Wrestling and various other places was just saying this week that New Japan isn't really strong style anymore. It's Kings Road, and it's adapted Kings Road better than Kings than other Kings Road companies have, and he's kind of right. And one of the reasons is because Jeddo grew up in companies like War and FMW and Wing which are entirely based on King's Road-style wrestling. So this is kind of an interesting political match for the future of pro wrestling. Anything else you'd like to say about it?
1: I can definitely see where you make that point. Because I was sort of watching them Just like, this does definitely feel a lot like where New Japan is now.
0: Yeah. I mean, Yamazaki, Kido, and Isuka are all shooters. They're all badasses. Kido was the guy who saved New Japan in the war feud because he was a proper submission wrestler that could deal with the UWFI guys in the storyline of the feud. Uh, so he saved the feud with UWFI in, in New Japan. So yeah, it, it's an interesting kind of take on like storytelling and how the history of wrestling works out and the wrestling, the history of storytelling works out. Should we move on to the next match? Yeah. Okay, so Asuma Nishimura, Ricky Chosu. Yes, that Rikichosu and Satoshi Kojima. There's some big names from New Japan Pro Wrestling. Satoshi Kojima was on his way up. He was the hot young star. Rikichosu was the big major draw and the booker for New Japan Pro Wrestling at the time. And they were going against 200% Machine and the Golden Cups, Yoji Anjo and Yoshihiro Takayama. And they beat them. And uh, Golden Cups was... Uh, Angio and Yoshiro takahama which was just such a killer tag team. Angio is like, you know, they were he used to be the booker for UWFI and had this big reputation. He was the guy who got his crushed va- face crushed by one of the Gracie brothers <laughs> by going out for an open challenge and was actually diagnosed in hospital with a crushed face. 200% machine was Dirty Tom Burton from Minnesota. It's kind of like the the um, Kato in the Orient Express where he doesn't say anything because actually he's Paul Diamond. <laughs> <laughs> the same thing here. This Japanese wrestler doesn't say anything because he's actually from Minnesota. Um, Nishimura Rikichosen Satoshi Kojima take the win. 10 minutes, 23 seconds. You can already see Kojima has, Kojima has star written all over him. He looked the part. And he, he looked like a guy who wasn't only just like a three or four year person into the career. He looked like a veteran and handled it safely in the same way. What are your thoughts on this one, John? It's a hell of a lot more
1: entertaining than the first match. Yes. And I, I just can't get over how much of a badass
0: Ricky Chosu was. Ricky Chosu is the badass. If you're a Korean and you grew up in Japan, you're a badass already if you make it past 16. Very true. So, so after that, everything else is a win. <laughs> and he went on to dance. be one of the biggest stars in pro wrestling and one of the first true rebels in pro wrestling as well.
1: Honestly, this is one of the the times where I've seen him fight because you always hear about him training people and everyone's like, oh yeah, but they're the people the of Ricky Chose, who are... Yeah. But this, he was bloody great. Menacing. <laughs> brutal and then kojima they're just yeah as you said a young star in the making someone who can bloody carry themselves in the ring against the likes of takiyama
0: anjo and stand alongside shosu yeah 200 percent machine wasn't half bad it sounds like a terrible idea doesn't it but actually it worked really well
1: see i just thought it was a ripoff of um was it strong style machine he was called
0: Yeah, Strong Machine. Super Strong Strong Machine. machine. He was a ripoff, entirely a ripoff of that, yes. (laughs) He was still wrestling for New Japan. I think he was in the feud with the UWFI. So, yeah. And Yoshihiro Takayama. Oh, Yoshihiro Takayama. Man, Takayama. It's weird not seeing him with the blonde hair, though. Very true. Very true. Actually, one of the the greatest moments of my wrestling fandom career was I was actually able to physically, in person, give money to the Takayama Fund at the Sendai Girls Show last year. Very I did that guy. as well, actually. Yes. And it was nice that the guys from Japan looked at me and were like nodded and said, thank you very much and were very respectful. And that's like, that's so cool. So, yeah, you should give to Takeyama fund, because Takiyama is absolutely amazing. And for those of you who don't know the story, Yoshiro Takiyama was wrestling for DDT about two years ago and took a DDT off a guardrail and uh, broke his neck and uh, is paralyzed from the neck down, which is really, really sad because he's one of the toughest human beings that ever lived. By this point, he'd already had a stroke, and we're still wrestling on a nightly basis. And it was it was about a year away from wrestling fighting Don Fry in what some regard as the greatest MMA fight of all time. He was a double tough what still is a double tough bastard. And Yoshiro Takiyama, if you can get to the give to the Takiyama fund, it'd be a really good idea too. Um, but we'll move on to the next match because we've got a lot, we've got two cards to look at, we've got a lot of things to speak about. So let's get on. Let's motor. Arashi, John Tenta, and Asuma Taketoko defeated Koji Kitao, Koki Kitahara, and Masaka Michizuki in 11 minutes and 46 seconds. Now, John's going to say something in a minute. What was all that stuff going on at the beginning, aren't you? What was all that stuff going on at the beginning? Right, if you watch this match, there is a big standoff between Koji Kitao and John Tenta. Now, John Tenta, if you don't know, was Earthquake in WWE. He was Shark in World Championship Wrestling. And he was also Golga in the WWE. And also, he was John Tenter in Japan. But before he was John Tenta, he was a sumo wrestler. Koji Katao, who you may remember from such shows as WrestleMania 7, where he tagged with Jinichiro Tenryu at the beginning of their Super World Sports, and where they demolished Demolition in 10 Seconds Flat. Okay. He was also a sumo wrestler. Now, Katao was a Yokozuna. He was a proper top-tier, premiership-level sumo. And John Tenta only really spent a year doing sumo. In 1991, on a Super World Sports show, Kitao was supposed to wrestle Earthquake, um, and they had an absolutely dreadful match, because Kitao was upset that he was booked to lose to Earthquake, a 10-year pro, uh, because basically because Earthquake was a, an inferior sumo, and Kitao didn't believe he should be jobbing to anybody. So as a result, they had a dreadful match where they just kind of backed off of each other and Tenta very sensibly defended himself because he was actually a genuine shooter. He knew what he was doing. And Kitao um, went off and stormed off from the ring, grabbed the microphone, said, wrestling is fake and wandered off into the distance. And so began the long descent of Koji Kitao into the end of his uh, pro wrestling career, which didn't end as spectacularly as his sumo career. His sumo career ended when he caught hold of his grandmaster and chucked him through a wall, and his wife soon followed afterwards. (laughs) Um, Kitau, also sadly no longer with us. John Tenter, also sadly no longer with us. Kitau was, and really, a bit of a jerk through most of his career. John Tenter, absolutely lovely bloke. I used to be on the WrestleCrap forum, and he used to come on the WrestleCrap forum because there was an entire section Devoted to John Tenter's gimmicks, and he would happily talk for hours on the internet about his terrible gimmicks down the year. John Tenter was a really lovely guy, and he passed away because of cancer, which is really crap. But there you go. But this match actually wasn't that bad, um, and because John Tenter was wrestling as opposed to hurling people about like he normally does as a as earthquake. Mochizuka, Kitihara, Teitoka, and Arashi were all kind of shoot fighters from the FMW dojo. Uh, not FMW, from the war dojo. They were all pretty Andy, so this wasn't dreadful. What did you think of this, John?
1: Well, now that there's a nice bit of context, I get it a bit more. <laughs> I do like that a lot of this match was just Katao and Tenta sort of battering <laughs> each <laughs> other. <laughs> yes. But, to be fair, that a lot of this match was just John Tenta... Like destroying everyone smaller than him. Yeah, and is... I, I'm completely on board with that.
0: But yeah, isn't he Disney he look ten times the wrestler than Earthquake does? Oh, definitely. Yeah. And he seemed to be having a mo- like
1: more fun as well. Yeah, like he it's... looked like he was enjoying himself.
0: He was actually having a wrestling match and having fun doing it, and it was nice to see. John Tenter in Japan is a thoroughly watchable individual, and you should watch more of him. And of course, it was all a work. But it was interesting, they put all their big-name matches in the first half of the show, the big like, show matches that were going to make money to draw the crowd, uh, which means that the last of the, the, the quarterfinals was Masahito Kakihara, Nobuhiko Takada, and Yuhi Hiseno of UWFI, with tak- Takada's hand-picked team from the biggest draw in UWFI, and they went up against Jinichiro Tenru, Nobutiki Uriah, and Tatsumi Fujinami, this is a tournament so big, Tatsumi Fujinami doesn't get to captain his own team. <laughs> <laughs> in fact, he's on somebody else's promotions team. That's how big this is. Uh, Kakiara Takada and Seino won uh, in a bit of a corker, to be honest with you. And there is palpable heat between Junichiro Tenryu and Takada. Oh, one thing, all the shoot things, by the way, if you go back to the Chosu match, I don't know if you noticed at the end, we kicked the referee out the ring at the end of the night. I didn't wonder why he did that. I think he was <laughs> genuinely pissed. <laughs> like his
1: team, like when Chosu's team won and they kicked because at first I thought, "Wait, did 200 machine get a roll?" I went back rewatching the finish. And I'm like, "No, Chosu's just kicked the ref for no reason." <laughs>
0: <laughs> but yes, anyway, back to this one. Nobuyuki Takada, Yuhuseno, and Kakihara are all kick-ass shooters. They know what they're doing, making a match look very, very watchable indeed. Araya and Fujinami and Tenryu are all, all pros. They know what they're doing, and this worked really well. What was your thoughts on this match, John? Uh, much
1: like um, Chosu, Chosu and his match, oh, Fujinami. I, I love Fujinami. I always have, and bloody, just watching him here again, carry himself like an absolute legend. And... <laughs> I
2: did- I was going
0: to, just to interrupt, but I did like Yu Hiseno using a dragon suplex on Tatsumi and He was like, Ooh, you little bastard.
1: So do I, because I love the reaction he got from it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's like, um,
1: when we watched the six hour super show, yeah, and it got to Takada's match, I never quite understood a lot behind it, because obviously Takada's name got. He got announced as part of his team, and like the like the roof nearly came off the building. He's like, "Huh, I guess he's a bit of a big deal." Because I've never really (laughs) heard much of Takada, but now that we've sort of done this show and a couple of others, it's like I kind of get why he's so popular. Yeah, he looked the part. He sat he he fought the part. He just he had star all over him, and. Like, his team carried themselves amazingly against, like, some very heavy-hitting veterans here.
0: I mean, as well, the thing is with Takada, he does have star written all over him, doesn't he? You know, he's got movie star good looks, he's got the body, he's got the charisma. You know, he got made with that big shoot fight with Trevor Burbeck where he beat Trevor Burbeck in 40 seconds, because Trevor Burbeck left the ring saying, I ain't hanging around for this. <laughs> <laughs> but a lot of those opportunities he made himself you know he wouldn't uh, he left New Japan to go to UWF and was outshone by Akira Maeda it was Akira Maeda's number two and that was fine and then they had to go back to New Japan and he got punished for three or four years so when they left to go to UWF again he was quite happy to go but again he was always going to be second fiddle to Akira Maeda, he had to wait his turn and when it came to UWFI he ended up being the biggest star in Japanese wrestling maybe him and Atsushi Anita were the biggest stars in Japanese wrestling. But it came crashing down so quickly because all they had to do when New Ju- when they ran out of money, which is essentially what UWFI did, um, because you can't run... With this style of wrestling, with shoot-style wrestling, you cannot run the six or seven shows in a fortnight. You need to run, like, to make money. You can only run shows once a month because the matches are that ridiculously difficult on the body of the people taking them because they're hitting each other as hard as they possibly can. <laughs> To make it look real, Um, so you can't run, like you know, two weeks on, two weeks off. You run one show a month, which means the tickets have to be high, which means the investment has to be more to make everything roll together and make money. Even though it's a booked finish, it's not a you know a fight, as it were. It's a booked finish. It's still really hard, and you know, making Takara a star was a painstaking effort. By the time they've made him a star, they'd run out of money, so. They went to New Japan, and New Japan said, right, we will take your biggest star, we will build him to be an even bigger star in the biggest feud in pro wrestling history, and then he's going to lose to Shinya Hashimoto in 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> and not just lose, he's going to lose emphatically in 10 minutes by knockout. And that was that. That was Takada done.
1: Used to say pettiness doesn't exist in the wrestling industry. <laughs>
0: Well, yeah, but to be fair to New Japan, they'd had Takada saying, I'm the real world's champion. The Triple Crown and the IWGP Heavyweight Championship don't mean anything to this championship I hold, bequeathed to me by Lou Thez. I was trained by Carl Gotch and Billy Robinson. I am the greatest technical wrestler on the world, and he was. But, you know, after three or four years of listening to that carping on, you've got a chance to humiliate the guy, wouldn't you? You've got a point. <laughs> you know, and then he, then they go to war and they have to start over again and they do this tournament. And to be fair to Chenaru, he could have done the same thing. He could have buried Takada in the opening match and let it run at that. But he didn't. They let them win. And it made a much better match and it made a better story for the tournament as well. And it got more people over in war. In my opinion, anyway. Should we move on to the next match, or you have anything else to say? Because this was an important match. <laughs> I was really glad to see Fujinami
1: in action again. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, the dragon. You, you need the dragon. Everyone, everyone's, everyone's day is a little better with a little dragon in their life. Okay, the next match was for the War International Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Championships, a title which was the first Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Championships and was well defended around the world. Um, the champions at the time were Lance Storm, Yuji uh, and Yuji Yorosuka, That Lance Storm, you know, Canadian, like, C- Calgary's greatest athlete, Lance Storm. But they dropped the titles to the team of El Samurai and Jushin Thunder Liger, New Japan's veteran junior heavyweights, and arguably the two best junior heavyweights in the world at the time. now that's a big statement to say, considering the junior heavyweights on this card. <laughs> what did you think of this matchup, John? This was awesome. It was, this wasn't it?
1: Was so damn awesome.
0: I just forgot how good Lance Storm is. I, I'm never gonna be able to unsee him with rat's tails. Yes, this, there was there were some cracking mullets on this show and some cracking rat tails as well. John Tenter had the shaved head side thing going on with his baldingness mullet, and Lance Storm had a rat tail mullet as well. A true rat tail. It, it was yeah. It looked uh, horrible. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it was. I, I, I struggle to see why they didn't tag Lance Storm and uh, Chris Jericho together because they've been working in SMW for years. <laughs> but there you go. I, but yeah, Yuri, Yuri, Yuji, uh, lost the and Lance Storm lost the title, situation Thunder and Liger and El Samurai. And it's Liger at his most Liger and Samurai at his most Samurai. They're right at the peak of their game, so it's well worth watching for just them two. It's interesting because Liger was being a bit more of a dick than normal. Ah, but he was a New Japan guy. They were heels. They were in opposing ah. territory.
1: Ah, I see. Yeah.
0: He did. The, he does this all the time. He used to go to Noah and be a complete arsehole to Noah guys when he was in New Japan as a babyface.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Keeping care alive. Oh yeah,
0: him and Samurai him and the, the biggest babyface tag team in Noah history won the tag team titles one night and him and Samurai turned up and just beat them up. <laughs> Fair enough just because they could. <laughs> I feel
1: like Yasaroka pissed someone off in the office, because he took most of the beating in this match.
0: I think, to be honest, I, I, uh, Lance was kind of popular in war, but you think about it, this time, it was he was just about catching on in ECW, and maybe didn't want to like do as perhaps as much work. As... <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what he wants to do, but Storm always looks strong no matter what he does. It was really bizarre watching him doing that rolling... Because he did the rolling Boston crab that he used to do, but he did it to the camera, so it just looked really weird. It looked like he just—they both just stopped. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, well, not... <laughs> it was an optical illusion because it looked dreadful on to, to the, on like on the side and to the hard cam. It looks great, like in line with the hard cam. It looks dreadful. <laughs> oh, should we go on to the next match? Yeah. Okay then, so the next was the semi-finals which Jedo, Hiromuchi, Fuyuki and Jado. that would be Fuyuki-gun, defeated Asuma Nishimura, Chosu, and Satoshi Kojima in 11 minutes and 23 seconds. Fuyuki getting the big clothesline on Nishimura uh, and that was kind of the story of it. They were looking for that opportunity. Once they got the lariat in from Fuyuki, everything was done. Gado, Jedo and Fuyuki may be at the time, were probably the best six-man tag team going in wrestling anywhere in the world because six-man tag teams weren't really that popular. This was pre-King of Trio's days by a long way. So, you know, there was probably them guys and some guys from Mexico who really know what they were doing with Trio's matches, but this worked really, really well. You had a bunch of veterans who knew what they were doing, um, and it, the hot young stars in Ghetto and Jeddo and Kojima really made this match sing along. I really enjoyed this. What did you think of it, John? This was a lot... More fun than their um, first round match because
1: like um, Fuyuki Gun were being more heelish, but at the same time, there was an air of desperation to the whole thing, especially in the sort of closing stretches of it. Everyone was sort of going everywhere.
0: I think the kind of like the mentality behind it was, "Don't get tired. We've got another match to go. We've got to save ourselves for that."
1: And I just love Fuyuki's lariat. <laughs> it's got yeah, such a goofy run up, but it just looks fun.
0: For Yuki's, um, their first Fuyuki Gun's first round match was twenty minutes long, and they were wrestling Iska and Yamazaki and Kido. And they were battering each other for twenty minutes because they don't wrestle quick. So yeah, have that. That is a weird thing that was
1: kind of consistent with this whole tournament. There was no short matches.
0: No, I mean it, they're all ten minutes, around about ten minutes, but it. The only one that's really short is the one. There's a singles match that comes up next, but or the one after the next one. But they were all like they all had time to tell a story, and it was all worth well worth watching. I mean, the Kakehara Takada Sano, Tendrewariya Fujinami match was 16 minutes and 40 seconds, but that was the match everyone had come to see. You can't shortchange change that match, can you? Uh, that's yeah, that's a way to piss off your audience. Yes. So we'll move on to the next match, which was the next semi-final. Koki Kitahara and Nobuhuki Takada with Yuseno defeated Arashi. John Tenta assumed Teitoko in 11 minutes and 22 seconds. Now, here's the thing. Watching John Tenta throw around shoot guys is hilarious. He's <laughs> <laughs> just hurling them all over the place. He clearly was having the time of his life. Um, but yeah, it was good for what it was. I mean, it was fairly obvious that Takada's team were going to the final. Otherwise, what was the point? <laughs> but the guys in this match all worked really well, and I don't mind seeing more of Russia and Tekotoko. They were good. I liked what they did, and that hopefully, this will uh, kind of like give you a a, a, a pre see into War and the guys that wrestled for War because a lot of them were really, really good. But it was the same as the FMW thing of. They were guys who weren't quite good enough for anywhere else, but they were still very, very good wrestlers.
1: I don't think I can really add anything to that. You've sort of said it perfectly.
0: Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Okay, we move on to the next matchup, which was Rey Mysterio Jr. defeating Juventud Guerrera for the WWA World Welterweight Championship. This was a A championship, funnily enough. Also wrestled for in Tijuana, Mexico, where Rey came from. Um, who well well Ray wrestled a lot. That's where he trained in Tijuana. Him and psychosis. Juventud Guerrero versus Ray Mysterio Jr. was the best wrestling match in the world at the time. I will go a lot. I will go go out on a limb and saying watching I watched those two wrestle each other in tag matches for about three years in AAA every Sunday afternoon. Two hours of AAA and the main event would be Juventud and Tudin, two Rudos against Ray and two Technicos, and you would just wait for those two to go in the ring because they would tear the house down. Absolutely every time. I still say one of the most violent death matches I ever saw was Hooventude versus Rey Mysterio for this very championship in a cage and they both started with a chair each.
1: <laughs> best g- best cage time
0: yes, and it was ridiculous. They were literally covered in blood by the time they finished that match. It was incredibly violent, but these two could just go for days. They could wrestle each other for hours. It is interestingly Ray Mysterio uh, and Hooventude, uh, Paul Heyman said, rang up Conan for booking booking some luchadors for ECW, and he said who, he said uh, what have you got what would be really interesting that we'd like give these Philly fans a pop, and he said, take Ray and Hooventude, he said, when should I put them on? Last? <laughs> <laughs> he said, why? He said because nobody will be able to follow it and Paul Heyman said, he was right <laughs> Because this was the this was the match. This is whatever we wanted. Rey Mysterio had gone to Best of Super Juniors. Oh, sorry, no. Uh, the other one. This, the Elimination Tournament. Not Best of Super Juniors. J-Cup. R- J-Cup, there you go. He'd gone to the J-Cup with Cechosis, and they had a better match than the final of the J-Cup in war previous year. <laughs> so, yes, this was his second appearance uh, with Hooventude. Oh, sorry, in war. Hooventude's first appearance... But they just tore the house down. Again, 8 minutes and 36 seconds. I would defy you to find a better professional wrestling match that's less than 10 minutes than as good as as this. What are your thoughts on this one, John?
1: I think they purposely cut it, that short just so it wouldn't overshadow the um, final. (laughs) As as you said, this was one of the best sub-10-minute matches I've seen in a long-ass time.
0: It was. It just phenomenal. You should watch it just for this match. You know, it's that good. It's better than anything else on the card, um, but it's still a strong card. And then we get to the final, which is Koki Kitahara Nobuhito Kitada with Yu Hoseno. They defeat Fuyuki Gun, Gado Hiromochi Fuyuki, and Jado in 12 minutes and 35 seconds for the vacant War World Six-Man Championships. It was a thrilling match, and I think it was a really well-told story of how these shooters go up against these Kings Road guys. And tell an incredible story. Because those two styles should not mesh. It's like the most extreme thing of one thing. And the most extreme thing of another thing. And they had a great match together. And it kind of went against the odds. And of course you've got so much tension. to Saino and Kikatihara are really the heels. Because they're UWF. Whereas Fuyuki Gun are really the faces. Because they're war. But normally they're heels. So there's a load of tension going off in different directions. And I just found this whole thing thrilling. John what's your thoughts on this match?
1: I have to agree, it's something that I didn't think would work, but it really worked. It's a lot of fun to watch, really dramatic. And yeah, I don't think there was a single bad sort of weak link in this match.
0: No, and it kind of strikes me as like, this is what New Japan has become, essentially. And, you know, one of the people that's in this match is Ghetto. And he books matches that look like this a lot of the time. This is this a
1: really great way to end the show?
0: Yes, I think so. And the War Fourth Anniversary Show, you can find that on YouTube. We'll probably stick it in a link for you so you can have a walk. But it's really, really good. If you look at it, it's actually it's not listed as the four fourth anniversary show, it's the six man tag team tournament. Um, uh, I can't remember exactly. I'll get the full title just War Wrestling Matrix.
1: Association R All Star
0: Dream Tournament. There you go, that's the one. So you look up on YouTube. It's from 1986. It was on the 20th of July, um, and it was the fourth anniversary from Rai Goku. So shall we go on to the Kingdom One Night Million Yen Tournament? Which you got my hopes up by accidentally calling it Freedoms. I. Well, right, it was my mistake. <laughs> <laughs> I conned John into watching this because he thought it'd be a death match. It, tournament and it's not. It's a a shoot fight tournament. Or shoot style tournament. Which is something I still enjoy but this... Well... (laughs) Well, let's start then, shall we? (laughs) So as we said, UWFI, after this run with war, kind of were done. They were no longer of any use to anyone in their then format. Nobuyuki Takada takes a couple of years off and comes back with Hustle which I'm sure we'll look at in a future episode. But for now we're looking at Kingdom which was the company that started after UWFI closed its doors, but had a lot of the same roster, who were also working pro-style for other people. But they were working Kingdom as a kind of like an answer to what they were doing with UWFI. They streamlined the rules, because for those of you who have known been UWFI fans for a long time or have seen UWFI before, there was some stringent ruling about point scoring and the number of times you could touch the ropes and they broke it down to this very simple ruling Knockouts or submissions and you had two lives in a in a opening round match and you had three lives in a finals match in the opening round matches you could only touch the ropes twice or get knocked down twice or you would be lose the match and in the later round you could do it three times but that was it you could only use rope escapes twice or you'd lose and you could only use uh you could only get knocked down twice and you'd lose So it was really kind of an interesting, different take on pro wrestling. It's a much more realistic martial arts-based version of pro wrestling. But it is still a booked pro wrestling tournament. It is not real, which is remarkable. Because at the same time, across the way at Pancras there, they were kind of moving towards the idea of it being a real thing. And already you'd had UFC and Pride had kind of got off the ground and uh, k1 had already kind of started and rings were doing shoot fighting as opposed to shoot style wrestling so it's kind of like you're seeing where they're being left behind this crew which is unfortunate because there's some really good wrestlers in it what are your thoughts initial thoughts when you saw this lineup john
1: See, the lineup itself looked pretty cool again Taki Armour's there he had billy scott from the big 6 hour show of doom <laughs> and then a few of the names you'll recognize, like we've just talked about, like Anjo and Senna. Was Senna in the last one?
0: Yes, he was. He was tagged He was in the final, one. Yeah. Yeah. He yeah, he- yeah. It's like there's
1: a lot. And you, <laughs> you've got Sakuraba. Yes. <laughs> it's like there's a lot of big names here. Yeah. But it's. It was weird because like they read out all the rules, and I was like, okay, cool. So it's there's some high stakes high stakes. Here cause you can't rely on the, the regular crutches for wrestling. You can't just sort of lie down for a bit. and You can't get to the ropes all the time. But then you look at the audience in attendance. It's it's a bit sad.
0: Yes. Now it is a sellout, but it's a long time before all those people get sat down. <laughs> We're in Nagata, we're at uh, City Gymnasium in Nagata, it's a 2,250 seat seat show, which was standing room only, they sold it out, however, the first, the entire opening round, really, there's no one in the hall, is there, there's probably about 500 people.
1: Yeah, there's so much of the stands and seats empty, I was kind of just like, hang on a sec. it says sellout in the description, what's going on here?
0: They sold all the tickets. That doesn't necessarily mean everybody went.
1: <laughs> it's like everyone buy 500 tickets, so it looks like we sold out.
0: Yes, but there you go. Anywho, we'll get to the first round match, which was Yu Seno, and he defeated Kenchi Yamamoto. And he kind of set the tone for the evening, really. Um, and it was all right. This isn't my cup of tea. I don't really particularly like watching UWFI for some reason. There's something about UWFI that I do like watching... Like I used to watch Bushido, which was the Sky Sports presentation of this back in the late 90s, and I thought it was reasonably good Um, with English commentary and a lot of explanation of the intricacies. But when you're watching it, when you're not particularly well-versed in shoot style too much, it can be a bit draining when they're on the mat all the time. And this is kind of like the problem that UFC had. And most of them, because it's worked matches... They're kind of moving around a lot more and stuff. It wasn't completely dull, but this wasn't this this was over kind of short and snappy and set the tone for the rest of the first round. We're not really selling this on you, to you at all, are we? But anyway, what do you think of this one, John?
1: This this was kind of weird because the match itself went about three minutes, three and a half minutes maybe, and it had been there'd been about twenty to twenty-five minutes worth of build-up before we got to the first match because yeah. there was a lot of there was a lot of interviews there was a lot of preamble and then I was just kind of like right I'm not expecting long matches this is a shoot style tournament so chances are it'll be quick either quick KOs or quick submissions and I was kind of like all right yep a lot of submission here couple of counts oh it's over the I think the longest match in this entire tournament was the in the se- semi-finals Yeah. A lot of the time you sort of look at you look at the matchups, you're like, right, this'll probably go a few minutes. Oh wait, he's he's already done. Oh
0: (laughs) Yes. Yeah. I mean as well. I mean like the second round, Joji Angio was big name as we was talking about in the, the war tournament from the previous year. It was probably the biggest name on this card at the time. And he lost to Kazuchi Sakuraba, who was the rising star. He'd been the rising star in UWFI and was certainly the rising star in Kingdom. Um, And so to to lose to Anjo in the first round, or Anjo to lose to him in the first round, was a big statement for the company.
1: Yeah, the crowd was definitely behind Sakuraba.
0: Well, yeah, because Anjo's a (laughs) dick. He's he's one of life's natural heels. (laughs) You just don't want to support him. And again, he was the guy who got his face smashed in by one of the Royce Gracie brothers. Why would you support that guy? This is very true. (laughs) (laughs) I just found it quite funny that this was the
1: first match where the crowd really got into it, and that was purely because they wanted to chant for (laughs) Saka
0: Well, yeah, that was it, basically. And again, it wasn't very long, less than two minutes, I think. He got Plangio quite away quite quickly.
1: I think it was... Two minutes and
0: 51? Yeah. Okay, we'll move on to the next one, in, which is Hiramitsu Kanahara, who defeated Billy Scott. Now, I love Billy Scott purely for that mullet, because it's absolutely textbook. <laughs> it I'm is not truly... Not the wrestling skill, it's, it's just the mullet. Truly business at the front, party at the back. Maybe with a slight aperitif. It is just... Oh, it is glorious! <laughs> And to on top of that he's got the thickest Alabama accent you've ever heard in your life. So how he ended up in a shoot fighting company in Tokyo you have no idea. Anyway, but Kanahara and Billy Scott put on a nice little demonstration and it was really really good. I like this one more than the others possibly because I I just I just I just love Billy Scott's mullet. And I'm quite happy with that. It's an entertainment in itself.
1: This is how you make your way into his heart just have a mullet.
0: <laughs> yes, this is it. Oh, a proper 90s mullet though. You have to try really hard uh, to, to have a proper 90s mullet.
1: See, I enjoyed this match a lot as well. It just felt a lot smoother and kind of a lot more direct. It was like, right, we want to show this, this, and this, and this before the before everyone gets bored, right? <laughs> it was kind of there and then it wasn't. Then again, that was most of the matches in the first round. Somewhat
0: disposable. Okay, the next night, well, the next match, was Yoshihiro Takiyama. He defeated Shinsuke, sorry, Shunsuke Matsui, in a bit of a corker again. Takeyama was good. He's just really good. He and can't all...
1: do bad, even if he's half-assing it. He can't do bad.
0: No, it wasn't. And it's just like the Avalanche Suplex and everything you you love Takeyama for. A lot of what was great was with Takeyama in the tournament from War. If you watch that match, he spends a lot of the match. He spends a lot of the match. Trying to just wind up Ricky Chosu by not cooperating with anything he does whatsoever. Because <laughs> um, he's because he's frigging Yoshiro Takiyama. He's going to back down from anyone. He's the toughest human beings on the planet at the time. So, yeah, this match is just, this is really shows off what Takiyama can do really well. Interestingly, as well, we should mention this: closed fists are now available as a uh, striking opportunity, which they weren't in UWFI. You were not allowed to use closed fists, you had to use uh, open hand slaps. So this kind of like adapted things from Pride and from Pancras, I think.
1: Yeah, and Takiyama just had fun pummeling Matsui. (laughs) This was the quickest of the first round matches I think as well, because it was kind of a blink and you'll miss it. Because Takiyama was sort of in there and then he'd won. Yeah.
0: Yeah, no, it worked well. It was good. All right then we move next to the next round up which was Alexander Otsuka and Katsumi Isuda that was in which uh, was just a straight up singles match and it was all right it was interesting to see Isuda who wasn't using gloves so he couldn't throw punches and he was trying to uh, uh, for a straight grappling approach and Otsuka was a more rounded approach so i think there was an interesting kind of different style of fight as they say there was a bit of contrast in this compared to the other matches on the card
1: Otsuka had some devastating bloody suplexes.
0: Yes. It, well, it did throw you about. There was a lot of that. And there was a lot of... Um, there was a lot less... Uh, um, kind of mat work. We kind of got to mat work, but it was more about high-impact stuff, I think.
1: Yeah, this was definitely the first sort of very high-impact and violent match that we got. So I think one of my mo- my biggest takeaways was just Otsuka and the brightest blue singlet I've ever seen. It was blinding.
0: <laughs> I was just
1: kind of like, oh god, that's
0: so garish. <laughs> true, true story. Okay then, let's move on to the semi-finals. Yuhi defeated Kazushi Sakuraba, which is a bit odd because you kind of thought Sakuraba would get the push but equally, Saino was a big star by this point he had uh, we, we looked at some uwf from 94 and 95 and he was already on the way up then by the time we get to this point he was kind of the guy he was one of the guys and he had a, a certain charisma to him i do like watching him fight and i do like his personality he kind of has this viciousness to him which i appeals to my wrestling fandom but sakurabu is so over with the crowd isn't he yeah
1: this started a trend which i'm gonna um, comment on in the next match that kind of made me laugh. But again, yeah, this was a this was a pretty good fight. I enjoyed this one. Yeah, no, Seno is really vicious, and Sakuraba kind of tries to play that against him, and it just doesn't work, and he ends yes. up losing.
0: Sakuraba's back in the pros now, by the way. He's wrestling for Nowhere again. <laughs> Damn. He was wrestling for Noah at the weekend. He has periods of doing pro wrestling and periods of doing shoot fighting stuff. Even Josh Barnett had that um, team shoot fighting um, promotion for most of last year. And now they've both gone back to pro wrestling again.
1: I keep expecting to see Sakuraba at a Bloodsport event. If it hasn't
0: eventually. (laughs) Yeah, so we'll move on to the next one, which was Hiramatsu Kanahara defeated Yoshihiro Takeyama. Boo. We like Takeyama. He's lovely. But, yeah, Kanahara, very good at what he does, and this was again... There's not a lot to say about it, because it is like... You can't really go in-depth into the matches, because they're all very similar.
1: This was the longest match of the night. I'm pretty sure this went longer than the final.
2: Yeah. yeah.
1: Purely because I don't think Takiyama wanted to lose quickly. <laughs> and it, it certainly... Didn't look like he was going to go down at all. To be honest, for a lot of this match, he kept reversing everything and just like again pummeling, doing Takayama things.
0: Yeah, I think it's one of these things that you can, you kind of like can do in in this style. You can get away with a lot more. <laughs> you make it look a make it look a lot more even than you intended it to be. So here's the funny thing
1: about these two semi-final matches. In the first round. In the first match, you heard a baby crying, which kind of was a bad herald for the audience. And then in the, both semi-final matches, there was kids chanting, and they were chanting for Sakuraba and Takayama, and both of them lost. <laughs> which just proves Kingdoms hates children.
0: <laughs> Not kid-friendly Kingdom
1: uh it that's just such a weird environment to take a kid to as well i must admit like hey do you want to go see the guys fight yes cuz well, when you know. think when you think children at wrestling i always think of them going to see like the sort of more entertainment orientated companies not the shoot fighters
0: you mean like the the Butlin's style stuff
1: yeah the the Butlin's style stuff you you family friendly sort of We're gonna have out over the top characters and basically WWE
0: or whatever Brian Dixon light kind of deal.
1: Yeah, you don't think of kids being taken to like UFC shows, for example, or maybe you will these days because they're they're basically trying to adopt the WWE style of showmanship. But you get what I mean, right? It seems like a really weird environment for children. And then just to crush their hopes and dreams as their favorite lose <laughs> one after the other.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, you tend to see more kids at New Japan shows than you do at all Japan shows because all Japan's a bit serious and a bit adult, not not in a triple X kind of way. <laughs> but even then, you take kids to a New Japan show and there's like Pieta from Bullet Club, essentially in a thong swimsuit, <laughs> isn't the most family-friendly kind of environment either.
2: No, Why but are then you've you
0: got Sorry? Then you've got Tanahashi, though. He's well, really- yes, he is wholesome as the day is long, but one of the most hilarious, well, not hilarious, but it was actually kind of like worrying uh, cards I ever went to was in Grimsby and local Grimsby promotion did a family-friendly end of the pier type show at Grimsby um, Theatre, Central Theatre. Uh, but, like, one night they put Sabu in the main event against two rookies for their rookie test in a three-way dance in a cage match. Oh, God. And there was blood everywhere. There was tables, and Sabu was trying to find a table. <laughs> it's like... And it went as... It, Sabu went into business for himself at one point. The promoter actually had to go have words with him in the middle of the match. It was one of the biggest disasters they ever saw in a professional wrestling event. And But there was the split in the crowd of there was the little kids on the left with the mums and dads. It all come to see the kids from the wrestling school whose dad was, and there was like a whole family who come to see their dad who won the battle royal at the start. And they're still there at half past ten at night when this bloodbath is going on in front of you. I suppose technically it's after the watershed. They're seven, John. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Why am I not surprised? Taboo was involved in your biggest wrestling. Show? <laughs>
0: Oh, yeah, of course it was. Sabu, <laughs> the human car crash. It's just like, there was one night as well, like... <laughs> Who books it's a the same promotion, like, one night... Things? Sorry?
1: Who books a family-friendly show and thinks Sabu. That's the guy I want.
0: Yeah, there you go. And, the, the, like, the next time I went, the opening match was another guy on his rookie test tagging with Sam Adonis, Right? against the hooligans, Zack Knight and oh, Roy Knight. God, And essentially it was the poor guy taking bumps for 15 minutes. And then at one point, Sam goes, can I have a go? <laughs> and Zack and Roy, yeah, of course you can. <laughs> it was like the yeah. most ludicrous thing you've ever seen. But that's not even the most violent thing on that card. The most violent thing, the pre the pre uh, the pre interval like uh, ender was some poor woman who'd drawn Saria Knight as her rookie test in a cage. Oh god. <laughs> that Saria was very pleasant, she was very professional, she did the job properly. However Saria Knight in a cage <laughs> <laughs> That's gonna get violent.
1: Yeah. You're not surviving that one
0: it was a bit of a massacre and again seven year olds front row all her friends and family were there to see their mate get killed (laughs) like
1: oh yeah it's for a rookie test it's all going to be oh god no
0: help Ah!" (laughs) (laughs) that's not I'm sure Knight, very sensible woman that she is of of sound mind and body would look after a young rookie like that and not you know murder her it looked like murder To be honest, (laughs) did not look like a pleasant experience. But there you go.
1: I don't think anything's ever going to beat Soraya Knight making the surprise return at Wrestle Queendom and just kicking everyone in the nether. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. We've gone off on a bit of a tangent here.
0: We have. Shall we? Well, I'm not sure. There's a match with Wayne Haas in it. I don't think it was on that tape, was it?
1: No, there was an announcement and then nothing. Kind of someone talked into it. I'm just like, I'm guessing there was meant to be
0: a match here and it just didn't happen. Well, on the cage match page, it says three question marks defeats Wayne Haas. See, I've just got it as three question marks versus Wayne Haas. <laughs> so it's like, they don't even know what happened. It's like, it's alright, neither do we. Yeah, cage match don't know, it didn't happen. We'll move on to the final. Hiromitsu Kanahara was defeated by Yu Hiseno in a very good match for what it was. It was. It was it was thrilling and it was a main event and it did all the things you'd expect a shoot fight main event to have, but the whole thing is kind of undone by the lack of commentary, the lack of excitement from the fans who were there but weren't really into it into it, because their favourites already lost in the tournament earlier on. So it wasn't bad, it wasn't dreadful, and Saina won his hundred million yen and went home. What are your was, thoughts on this one? It was interesting
1: enough. And this was when the live system really came into it. Because, like, both guys lost two lives, and then Kanahara finally just tapped. Yeah. And it was just. It was dramatic enough, and it felt like a final. But again, this was the closest you'd get to sort of being able to describe the atmosphere of a no-ring, like a no-audience show in real time. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) This is like. You want to know why people don't like the wrestling that's on at the moment? Just just look at this. There was a crowd here that didn't give a damn for most of it, and it was a bit painful to watch. Like, great names. I like shoot fighting, but man, this, this was probably the hardest thing you've had me watch. And you sent me a six-hour show with a falsely advertised <laughs> alien death match. <laughs>
0: I'm never going to forgive that. The six-hour show with the falsely advertised the alien death match. This? It... <laughs> it was a good match, though. Was the Entes alien death match more entertaining than this card? No. I'll, I'll take <laughs> I'll take an hour and a
1: half of this. in fact, no, sorry, about an hour if you skip the preamble of this, because at least there was variety. It wasn't just the same guy lying on the mat with his legs locked for 20 minutes. <laughs> as knockoff Jason Voorhees with a plate taped to his face tries to wrestle. <laughs> it just, oh. You kind of... it, You wanted me to contrast these two cards. And the biggest takeaway I had was um, the six-man tournament had the same guys in it but they could put on
0: 10-minute matches each time. With more variety, varied opponents who were doing different things to them.
1: This this is sort of what I imagine the inspiration would have been for the Gotch Robinson Cup that was going to be a blood sports 3, had it happened. Yeah, yeah.
0: It would have been something so. similar to this. But, but, again, with, but with pros doing shoot style as opposed to shooters doing shoot style.
1: yeah. Plus, blood spots just more entertaining.
0: Well, yeah, because, like... <laughs> you get to
1: see Simon Gotch get, k- like, killed or oh, bloody Timothy Thatcher wrapping people up.
0: Josh like... Barnett personally told me he would indeed book Disco Inferno versus um, I've forgotten his name now. Gang guy. What's he called? Former bank robber. Nick Gage? Yeah, Nick Gage. That's the one. Yeah, he would personally book Disco Inferno versus Nick Gage. <laughs> Nick
1: Gage would kill him.
0: Yeah, that's why that's we. Because, like, they got into a conversation over Twitter, and Disco Inferno clearly had no clue who Nick Gage was.
1: <laughs> to be fair, Nick Gage and Killer Cross had a great match at the last Bloodsport.
0: Yes, they did. It was very, very good. And we reviewed that show, actually, me and uh, Courtney reviewed that show a few months back. Yes, I ended up writing
1: about it and I was just kind of like, sure, the matches are hard to describe, but my god, I'd never had so much fun writing about something. There
0: you go. Right then, well, we're going to need to have some closing statements on this. So, has either of these cards made you want to watch more War, or made you want to watch more UWF, or more shoot-style stuff, or more Tenryu, King's Roadie-style stuff? What's your thoughts? See, the War show I really enjoyed, I was surprised by the star power on
1: it, especially considering it was a six man tournament. And outside of Mexico, they're never really six man like titles don't really get all that much respect. I mean if you look at the New Japan six man titles now, it's like I, even, I don't remember who has them. <laughs> Whereas they felt like a massive deal here. You had legends You had the top teams of both factions, you had rising shoot stars, you had all sorts of people trying to take it on, whereas in this one nine million yen tournament, you still had the big names there, but some of it just felt off about it. The sort of spectacle wasn't there. It didn't feel like a big deal, despite some of the star power.
0: Yeah. No, so... I, yeah. No, I completely understand that. Really, uh, yeah. It's. I think there's. Yeah, they they seem to do better when someone else is controlling them.
1: Definitely. Well, it's kind yeah. of like
0: you are. Were... That... I'll let you finish. <laughs> I was going to say it's kind of like it. Shoot, fight style is a very definite art. But it's not as... Uh, it's harder to appreciate. It's a bit like fine wine or a fillet steak. You, unless you actually know what you're talking about, you don't really appreciate everything that's about it. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah. And what I was just kind of going to say was, you see it a lot where people try to book their own shows and they try to do their own thing, and a lot of the time they either come off as giving themselves all the wins or it just doesn't run as smoothly as someone who's detached booking it. And that's kind of what you see in between the shows.
0: Yeah, I think this is the thing. I mean, like Chelsea's often said, like, styles make fights. And this is a good example of styles making fights. In war, they're actually more watchable and more exciting than they are in their home promotion and in their home environment.
1: It's like I get wanting to showcase a pure version of your style with your rules, with your ideals. But you've got to remember at the same time you've got to try and appeal to different varieties of people because your niche might not necessarily be big enough to fuel the dreams you have.
0: What a lovely poetic way of putting it. I had something else to say but I'm going to leave it at that because that was brilliant. Thank you. It's okay. Thank you for listening to the Troopany Show today. We hope you've enjoyed our little chat. I'd like to thank Mr. John Dinsdale of your steel chair wrestling magazine. Can you give me your socials there, John?
1: Uh, Well, my main one is you'll find me at John Deathman on Twitter, the edgiest username, (laughs) Where you'll find links to writing about death matches, interviews with some of your favorites, various different promotions. I've started reviewing DDT gonna have to do that again tomorrow <laughs> at the time of recording which is gonna be another four hours of my day gone so come and give me some validation and yeah, obviously keep your ears peeled here because this is not my only appearance
0: No, you'll be back next week <laughs> um, We'll be looking at Yeah, we'll do it this way around. you are gonna be looking at C W next week. We'll do this one first That makes more sense Chronology, you folks Wait. all chronology but yes thank you very much for listening today my name is James and you can find me on twitter at Sheriff Lone Star you can find the show on twitter the Troopany sorry no just Troopany show on twitter and you can find us on facebook where it is the Troopany show and patreon where you can keep the Troopany show free forever for everyone thank you very much for listening please go read our sponsors Empire Wrestling Magazine and of course powerslam.tv where you can use the code mulletwatch to get a free month when you subscribe. All block capitals, by the way. Thank you very much for listening today. Take care and we'll see you soon. Bye. Bye. Are you looking for the newest and hottest in the world of pro wrestling? defy pcw ultra pwx over the top shine and hundreds of others with fresh content added every day for only 5.99 per month get your free trial today at powerslam.tv